Your infrastructure and your economy are indisputably linked. As your trusted partner, HWC can blend the elements of economic development and comprehensive planning to develop an actionable roadmap to success. HWC, empowering local leaders to build thriving communities. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Hi, and welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller. Today, our guest is Nikki Kelly. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, I'm sure you've, I know you've done this a lot here recently with your new venture. And uh, all of us that are used to receiving questions from you are now on the question asking side. So that's a a bit of turn of events for you, I'm sure. Thanks for joining us. I prefer it the other way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. That's why you're so good at it. Um, we'll get into your new venture here in just a minute, but just a quick background for those of you listening. Nikki has been uh, one of the foremost state house reporters since at least, I think, 1999. Uh, you've probably covered at least five governors. Uh, I'm not sure that anybody can know the state house, but if, if anyone does, you're, you're the one, I, I think, and we're, we're happy to have you on here. I guess just a, a quick opening question, you know, what is it about the, the legislature, the state house, state government, the executive branch that just keeps you coming back year after year and, and wanting to dive into it even further now in, in your new venture here? Well, I think the main thing is that like, I never get bored because because state government touches literally every portion of everyone's life. So, you know, if I was covering a school, you know, you'd only write about education every day. This way I can write about education one day, public health the next, criminal justice the next, infrastructure, you know, there's so many different topics that you, you know, you get to really learn about each one and not not feel pinholed, I guess. Um, and also weirdly, uh, while we discuss the number of years I've been there, I love that I still learn new stuff about it every day. You know, I, I'm sure you've been in these long, you'll be in this long committee hearing, you're waiting for a bill and they're talking about some other bill in front of you that you don't care about. And suddenly you kind of look up like, huh, I didn't know that law existed or I didn't, I didn't understand that. And so I just feel like I'm constantly learning and I never get bored because, you know, the government gets involved in everything, right? I mean, you know, whether it's transgender sports, abortion, uh, you know, criminal justice, affordable housing, taxes, it's, they're there. Always something new, that's for sure. You know, I think most of our membership will know you from your days at the Fort Wayne uh, Journal-Gazette, but recently I keep referring to it, your, your new venture, you're the editor-in-chief of something now called the Indiana Capital Chronicle. Uh, so what is it? Um, how's it work? Uh, what's the model? What can we expect? If you haven't signed up, I would encourage you to go to the website and do so uh, as soon as possible. It's great information already. You guys are 
cranking stories out right and left. It's been really interesting to watch uh, just in the few short weeks you've been operational. Yeah, so the Indiana Capital Chronicle is the latest um, endeavor of something called States Newsroom, which uh, is a nonprofit uh, nationally, and they've now opened in 28 states. Their, their whole goal is to fill a gap of state news coverage that has been happening in the last decade as newspapers, you know, when I first came to the state house, we had every newspaper, every major newspaper in the state had a reporter settled there, you know, the Evansville paper, the Gary paper at the Times, the, you know, Louisville Courier Journal, South Bend, now almost all of those are gone. And so there are fewer reporters covering the state house, and yet everything they do over there is so impactful. So we're trying to fill a gap of state house and state news coverage. And so that's what state's newsroom is about. And then once they go into a, a state, um, you know, they find an editor like me, we hire a staff, we've got three full-time reporters, and uh, the idea is we're going to you know, find stories that maybe are getting not missed because I know as a reporter, there were lots of things I knew about and just couldn't get to because I was only one person. Um, but just get get a hold of some things that aren't being covered. And because it's a nonprofit, it, it is free. Anyone can go online and read it. Um, we do take donations. And so if you like what you read, I would very much appreciate that. And it's also, there's no ads, there's no paywall. And we also have something that's called a Creative Commons license, which means that entities out there, newspapers, TV stations, uh, radio stations, they can use our stuff, they can republish it for free. So that is all part of the goal of educating the Hoosier citizenry to see what's going on on the state level. And so that's the nutshell, I guess, of it. Pretty exciting, pretty cool. You were we were talking beforehand that that you're writing some editorials now. So what's what's that been like for someone that's not been in that space for a while? I, I suspect I'm not I'm not a fan of it. Um, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> I'll get there, but right now it's just having an opinion is something that I haven't been able to have or at least say out loud for so many years. And so I've only written a couple so far, but I would call them. Let, a little more tepid than other editorial writers as I feel my way into it. Um, I don't want to become, you know, too over the top where people don't listen or, or take it to heart. I focus a lot on the history of, of the state and the state house. So um, I'm sure I'll get more used to it. I'm only a couple in, but it's going pretty well. You mentioned that, that you've got three full-time reporters working with you. Um, you know, I, I know their names. I certainly respect their abilities. Want to talk a little bit about them and who they are and what their backgrounds are? For, for sure. We have Casey Smith, who was at the Associated Press, covered several um, years at the State House in session. We also she's going to handle most of our education coverage. By the way, um, we don't have beats per se, but there certainly are topics that the reporters are more knowledgeable on. Uh, Whitney Downard, who was with CNHI for about five years over at the State House. CNHI is a entity that owns a lot of smaller newspapers in Indiana. And so she would write for sort of those smaller newspapers. Um, so she'll be 
covering for us. She handled, she's going to handle a lot of the budgetary stuff, fiscal stuff. Um, and then we also brought in Leslie Bonilla Muniz from the IBJ, and she's real interested in environment and, and sort of infrastructure things and things like that. So, and she did a lot of work, obviously covering Indianapolis for the IBJ. So she knows a lot about local government and that she will probably be our, our go-to person on that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's no, uh, it's no secret that, uh, I guess if you follow this stuff like we do on a regular basis, it's kind of an interesting time to watch state government and the legislature. We've got a special session coming up here next week. Uh, theoretically it kicks off next week. Uh, we'll see if theoretically that happens. <laughs> um, you know, originally it was the governor calling them back to consider the tax rebate and and now it's morphed into uh, you know a discussion on Roe Roe Wade, Roe v. Wade. Where do you see all those issues heading? Do you think they'll stick to those two narrow issues, the special session, or do you think it'll explode into something else? Yeah. Well, first I want to say that when we um, set about launching Indiana Capital Chronicle, there was part of me because we launched the end of June, who was like huh, we're going to launch in the middle of summer when there's no legislative session. And, you know, that was going to be a challenge. And then boom, we have a legislative session. So um, it's at least helpful to fill the page. But uh, yeah, I would say, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to see. Uh, there's basically the House is going to start the bill on the refund or rebate or whatever they're going to call it. None of these bills have dropped yet. We have not seen them yet, but some sort of give back to the taxpayers because of this $6.1 billion surplus the state has. The Senate is a little less in love with that proposal from the governor than the House, so see where that goes. Um, then meanwhile, the Senate is going to have a couple bills. They're going to have the actual abortion bill with new restrictions, as well as a separate bill that will be sort of financial supports for women and children in Indiana. They say they're going to do that, you know, together. Um, now, to be fair, though, anyone can file any bill they want in a special session. That's what you get when you call a special session. I imagine the other bills that are filed, you know, leadership will just send to the rules committee and they, you know, won't be a factor, but um, there can also be amendments on a lot of things. And if we're going to have a bill on supports that spends money, then you start talking about, are we opening up the budget and stuff like that? So, I, you know, I know what they have planned and maybe it'll work out that way, but who knows? I, anything can happen. You know, shifting gears back to city and town issues. What what are some of the issues in in your past that have stuck with you from a municipal perspective, you know, what, uh, what has stuck with you that's really thought, well, this is good, bad, indifferent, whatnot, that has an impact on cities and towns. And then where do you see municipal issues going forward in the next year or two? I know you mentioned housing earlier is one that's possibly coming down the, the pike. Yeah, you know, starting back my very first session I covered, they did a big overhaul of the state's annexation law. So that was my introduction to- At 99? Yep, state yeah. government, that was my very first session. I heard uh, stories about meetings in, in uh, Senator Long's office on that particular issue. <laughs> yeah, there was, and it, Fort Wayne sort of precipitated it with this insanely large annexation that 
really caught everyone off guard. Um, since then, I think we've overhauled annexation a couple other times, um, but there's bills every year. So that one, at least looking at my history, I've always been fascinated by the topic of annexation and, and the pool. Now, more recently, I mean, I think the big thing is this local control issue. I mean, we see it in everything, right? So as soon as Democrats in Indianapolis do something that Republicans don't like, they trot out a state bill to stop anyone else from doing it. Um, and these sort of that push and pull of whether we're going to let our cities and counties and towns govern themselves or have state policies on all of it from plastic bags to solar panels to, you know, gun legislation, you know, I, that thing to me is that issue every year, there's more on that, whether we're talking about there was, you know, obviously the big one on solar panels and sort of how much because some counties ban it, some counties don't. And so that local control issue, I think, is the key to almost all local government topics right now. It probably won't be going away anytime soon, at least not in, in my career, I, I suspect. Job security, I like to call it. <laughs> Switch gears again here. You know, I, I think in all honesty, you're one of uh, just a handful of people I have alerts set for on my Twitter. Um, you know, if, if I'm traveling the state in, the, in a city or town somewhere and the legislature's going on, constantly refreshing your Twitter feed to make sure I know what the latest and greatest is. Um, you know, what, how have you used Twitter? How's it evolved? What's some advice you would have for our members that maybe aren't very good at it or haven't done it much um, and, and how it can be an effective tool? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I went to this conference like more than a decade ago, obviously, and they were all like, I, it was probably 15 years ago at this point. They're all like, everyone's got to get on Twitter. And I remember at the time I was like, it just seemed to me like more work right? Like I'm taking notes for this story I have to write. I don't have time to also tweet things. And slowly I realized, but if you tweet them, those are your notes, <laughs> you know, and then you just go back and you find, you know, your quote. And so that started me live tweeting hearings and, and debates on the floor and meetings and people really, you know, clung to it. Um, I would say advice for people, you know, try to avoid the back and forth um, arguments. I very rarely respond to, I mean, I'll, I will respond a lot to questions. I will answer any question, you know, but very rarely respond to anything that's sort of, you know, just mean and, and rude. Um, I would say it's good to bring a little bit of yourself as a person to it. And I, you know, there, there is a line, you know, but it's easier to, I guess, you know, if I'm tweeting about, I'm stuck in this hearing and I haven't had a drink in seven hours and someone brings you a pop, you know, just people start to get to get to know you as a person a little bit, not too much, but uh, you know, you don't want to be a nameless, faceless person behind a computer screen. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's just a great way, I think, to keep informed too. You know, it's especially your account for following legislature, state government. Um, I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm sure the new venture has a Twitter handle. What is that? It is NCAP Chronicle. 
So okay. yeah, um, you can read all our stuff throughout the day. And I'm kind of, I'm, I run both of them. So I go back and forth trying to make sure things are on there. I, I do. Twitter is a fascinating phenomenon because it's also been a way to connect with lawmakers. They'll read it and send me a direct message. It, I've seen it literally kill bills in, you know, I, there was one a few years ago. It was, gosh, it was a bill about, you know, if you go on someone's property and take a video of their livestock or something like that. And it turned out, you know, we went from tweeting that morning, several of us reporters about how much wider in scope the bill was than they were saying to literally six hours later, the bill was dead. Like it can have an immediate impact. And so that's interesting. When it gives that snowball effect, right? You know, if you get a few people tweeting about it, then legislators, legislative staff start seeing it. It just becomes this constant, you know, narrative that it's overtaking all, all things that it needs to be discussed immediately. Um, <laughs> which can work to your advantage or disadvantage from a lobbying uh, standpoint, for sure. Well, Mickey, thanks for uh, joining us. I won't let you leave without plugging the new, the new opportunity one more time. Um, you know, how, how do people sign up to receive the daily alerts? How do people keep in contact uh, with, the, <clears throat> with the outlet, and et cetera? Yeah, so it's at indianacapitalchronicle.com, capital with an A, by the way. And uh, you can go online and sign up for our daily newsletter, which will hit your inbox about 7.30 every morning. You'll see some of our, the bigger stories of the day, but there's more on the site. So, you know, be sure to check out the site too. And, um, and then, you know, you can follow it. You can, you can donate if you choose. We also have a, we have Twitter and Facebook too, if you want to follow those pages. I know it's hard to ask for money, Mickey, but how important is it to, to raise money for this outlet? I, you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, it is excellent already. I know we're just a few weeks into it. Uh, we don't want to see this go away. So how important is the fundraising aspect? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Um, it's because we're a part of a national group. They do most of the fundraising on the national level with large foundations and things like that. And so we, you know, have a certain level we can do, but the more, but the local stuff, the donations that happen locally can be put towards specific projects. Like if we want to hire a freelancer for a special project or, you know, give a, you know, give a reporter a week off to work on something, that's where the local donations will come in more directly into sort of special things or grants or interns, things like that. So just like my uh, son's football car wash over the weekend, the car wash is free, but we sure appreciate your donations, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Mickey, thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck with uh, Capital Chronicle. It's gonna be excellent. It is excellent already. We're really looking forward to it being a part of the state house narrative and going forward for years to come thanks for joining us thanks so much for having me i appreciate it